You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, my podcast Bears fans. This is. T Formation Conversation. My name is Lester A. Wiltfong Jr., and I am the editor in chief at Windy City Gridiron, which is part of Vox Media's SB Nation. And this show here, this is part of the Windy City Gridiron Podcast channel, which you can find anywhere you get your podcast. So if you have not subscribed yet, do it. Do it right now. You can also follow me on Twitter at Wiltfong JR, and you can follow the entire Windy City Gridiron crew on Twitter at WSC Gridiron. So Another Bears win, this time in San Francisco. And another solid game by quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. And another round of negative criticism from some national and some local media members. And even some fans, too. Um, You know, I don't get it, but, you know, he wasn't perfect uh, on the day. Uh, He made a bad decision on the lateral to to, uh, Tariq Cohen. It ended up being a turnover. Uh, He also chucked the ball into the end zone after a nice scramble that got picked off. The play was negated by a penalty. But I'm still sure head coach Matt Nagy spent some time on that decision in the film room going over why he should not have made that pass. Also, he threw four incomplete passes among his 29 passing attempts, so this was far from a perfect game for him. Okay, I hope you picked up on the sarcasm there, but if not, it's okay. You probably think Trubisky sucks anyway, so it is what it is. He ended the day with a touchdown pass, uh, 246 yards passing, and yes, most of his day was spent picking apart a 49ers defense that was vulnerable to the short passing game. You know, that's just how it happened. According to Pro Football Focus, uh, Trubisky was actually 3 of 6 on downfield passes, uh, including that really, really long pitch and catch to Allen Robinson that was down the left sideline that was just set up beautifully. Uh, uh, former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky actually tweeted out uh, the play that set up the big gainer to that uh, pass to Robinson. So if you listen to the show on, on, on WCG, I'm going sh- to share it in the body of the article uh, that accompanies this. Um, I also retweeted it on Wednesday. Uh, so somehow, someway, make sure you check out that tweet. That uh, was pretty good stuff uh, with, with Orlovsky breaking down the play that set up the play to Robinson down the sideline. So since he was 3 for 6 on downfield passes, that means Trubisky was 22 of 23 on passes traveling fewer than 10 yards and, and I don't care how you slice it, guys. That is pretty damn good. Uh, but people want to rip him for that. Um, I don't get it. I have no idea why. Uh, he was basically taking what the defense gave him. And, and with with as many stop routes that the Bears rat, that they had in the game plan, I, I think that made him a part of the of a conservative approach uh, that the head coach Matt Nagy put in there. I mean, this you know maybe this is what the coaches felt gave the Bears the best chance to win. Um, maybe this is something they wanted to work on. Uh, just they wanted to work on a few things early in the game because cause, cause actually in the first half of the game, you know, I thought the offense looked to have kind of a different flow to it. Uh, some of the passing plays, some of the running plays, a lot of the, the, the sequences seemed a little bit off. Um, maybe Nagy was kind of working on some things, kind of doing something different um, because, you know, the playoffs were locked up because they figured they had a, 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 a lesser opponent to kind of work on some things. So, that's a possibility. Or maybe the dink and dunk, like I said, just 
was just something that they wanted to do so they would not give too much away to potential playoff teams. Um, or maybe a combination of everything we just talked about there. But regardless, a win is a win. The Bears got the win 14-9. to um, It wasn't pretty, but hey, that's the way it goes. Bears got the win. That's all that matters. So speaking of wins, should the Bears play for the win in Minnesota? Um, it's been talked a lot about a, a lot about it. The the circumstances leading up to this game here on on on, on social media on, on our site, pretty much everywhere, it's been talked about. I think they should go for the win. Um, that's how I feel about it. Uh, with the Rams playing at the same time, um, there's really no way of knowing what can happen. Um, if if the Rams are going to lose, obviously the uh, the Bears have a chance now to get that two seed. Uh, if the Bears win, then it doesn't matter what happens in the Bears game, but you know, the both team play at the same time. Um, I'm sure at some point in the halftime, um, someone's going to let Coach uh, Coach Nagy know what's going on in that Rams game. And if it is a huge, huge blowout, maybe the Bears take the foot off the gas. Maybe they uh, pull some starters. But but honestly, how big of a of a lead is too big in the NFL this these days? So we'll see what happens. But but I th- I think the Bears should go for it. Um, I think the Bears should win. I think the Bears could win. So these are my three keys to the game. Uh, the pass protection has to be on point. You know, the Bears, uh, I just saw a stat earlier today uh, from Pro Football Focus again. Uh, the Bears have 100 fewer pressures than any other team in the NFL right now. Uh, my number, That number may be off a touch, but something like that. A, a huge number. They're just doing a great job on pass pro all year long. Uh, part of that, yes, is the Bears have not had as many passing attempts as some other teams, but still, you know, I, I track the sacks every week. You know, I see what's going on with the with the with the Bears as far as pass pro. You know, I really focus on that. I really keep an eye on that. And and the, the Bears have done a great job this year. So, uh, top key this this against the Vikings, the pass protection has to be on point. And, and if that means keeping extra blockers in this week, so be it. Um, I think keeping a tight end or maybe running back in, and then letting them leak out late could be a great way to exploit the Vikings' defense. You know, Minnesota has a very good D, and, and if it, and when you aren't attacking them with a short, quick passing game, you need those short out- outlets somehow when the pass rush starts to get home. And, and, and the Vikings pass rush will get to Trubisky. It's just going to happen. Uh, they, 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 they lead the league in sacks. Um, I know the first meeting they only got, got to Trubisky once for a sack and two quarterback hits. You know, but his scrambling ability really helped out a lot in that game. I'm expecting head coach uh, Mike Zimmer for the Vikings to dial out some different blitz packages to confuse Trubisky, you know, especially in the loud, domed U.S. Bank Stadium. You know, this would be a different game than what the Bears played in, in, in Chicago where, you know, the, the final score was close. I think it was 25-20, but, but that game really, the whole game felt like the Bears were in control. You know, this would be a different game here. You know, they're going to be blaring at Viking Horn all game long. Uh, their crowd will be amped up, you know, from, from the start, trying to get the to get the home team the, the, the willpower to, to get themselves into the playoffs. My second key uh, for this Bears-Viking game is, you know, as for as much as I love to see the Bears pound it out uh, with Jordan Howard, um, I think the key to winning this game is putting the game in Trubisky's hands. Let him run some no huddle. Uh, let him control the pace of the game. You know, keep this Minnesota Viking defense on the field so they can't get into their sub packages. You know, if you catch them in base, keep them in base. Uh, you, you know, you, the Bears got Tree Cohen uh, and Trey Burton. You know, these two are very versatile players. They can line up anywhere. 
So, so catch the Vikings in their base defense, like I said, go up-tempo. You know, keep those mismatches what you want there. You, if, if you do that, you prevent Minnesota from getting a, a nickel back in the game. Uh, and you might get Burton, or even better, Tariq Cohen, matched up on a linebacker. And, and, you know, I say it all the time. I've written about it before. You know, Tariq Cohen versus a linebacker on an option route is unguardable. There's nothing a defense can do. If you got Tariq Cohen, you know, with an option route, go right, go left, you know, how do you how do you guard that? Uh, as long as him and Trubisky are on the same page, and they have been pretty much this whole season, you can't stop it. My third key this week is you got to make Kirk Cousins think and dunk his way down the field. Uh, you know his struggles with beating good teams is well documented. Um, the Bears can get to him with base pressure, guys. You know Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Leonard Floyd. These guys can win their one-on-one matchups against the Vikings' pass protection. Then you mix in the occasional blitz, and eventually Kirk Cousins will make a mistake. He will. Trust me. He threw two picks against the Bears last time. Uh, he has nine fumbles you know, this season. Uh, but the key to this third key, uh, would that make this uh, fourth key? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but the key to making Cousins have to throw more is obviously take away the running game. You know, Here's an interesting stat. Uh, that was dug up by my colleague at WCG, Sam Householder, and it's from his uh, recent Bears-Vikings uh, preview. Did you know uh, Kirk Cousins' pass attempts have actually dropped since the Vikings fired offensive coordinator John Filippo? They've gone from 37.4 passing attempts per game down to 24.5. So a much bigger commitment to the run game here in Minnesota. Because uh, in, in that first game, you think about it, you know, Minnesota tailbacks, you know, uh, Delvin Cook and, and Latavius Murray, they combined for only 13 rushing attempts, and they only had 17 yards. Uh, the Bears' defense was, was killing it. You know, they were stout the whole the whole night. You know, there was nowhere for them to run. Uh, Cousins had to throw. And like I said, he threw two picks. You know, he will turn it over. Um, I'd expect the Vikings to try and stick with the run a little bit more this week. Uh, they're in home. They're in the dome. Loud. It's a fast surface. Um but once the Bears suffocate that, it'll be the Kirk Cousins show. And I really like the Bears' chances in that scenario. So, to recap, key one, solid pass pro. Has to be ready from exotic blick pack, blitz packages from Mike Zimmer. Key number two, let Trubisky control the tempo of the game and get his guys in some mismatches. Key number three, make Cousins have to throw to beat you. He is historically bad against good teams. So the more chances he has to be bad, the better for the Bears. So now I want to take a few questions I got on Twitter, uh, and, and I'll do my best to answer them here. So Jonathan Siegel asks, from what you've seen on film, how does Jordan Howard's pass pro compare with his other production? Is his reduced yardage made up for in what he brings in pass protection? This is a really interesting question because I was just thinking about this while I was writing this week's sack watch. Uh, this week, Jordan Howard uh, made a nice block on one of the sacks allowed. Um, so, so I checked the sacks allowed numbers throughout his career. And in his three years with the Bears, I only got him down for allowing one and a half sacks through that entire time. And those uh, all came last season. So he had none as a rookie, uh, none so far this year, no, no sacks allowed, and just 1.5 last season. He is a very good pass blocker in that he's able to stay square to his target. He has good lateral movement when the defender tries to juke him. And he gets really good pad level to stonewall the blitzer. Being six foot one, two twenty five really helps him, but but if his technique was sloppy, he wouldn't be nearly as effective. But the the key part of the question is does his ability as a pass blocker make up for his reduced yardage? Uh, and look, I, I love Jordan Howard as a player. 
I think he can work in this offense long term. But the nature of the position these days tells me the Bears are likely to move on. 2019 would be his free agent year, so trading him while he's still cheap makes sense. Another team can trade a, a low-round draft pick for him. They'll have his, him controlled, obviously, for one more season under a, a pretty low uh, salary. I just think that's the way the NFL is going this year. You know, getting a running back that's a little more explosive seems to be a, a plan the Bears, the Bears have. You know, um, even though Howard has worked hard on his receiving ability, I don't think he has any drops this season. He's just not as sudden of a player, uh, and his quickness is a little lacking um, from what the Bears and and what the Chiefs and you know some of these teams that kind of want to run that that type of offense are doing. So. He, with Howard is, he's good at what he is. He's a one-cut power back, and, and I think he's going to have a number of years left in the NFL as long as he stays healthy. But, like I said, if the Bears get a late-round pick for him, I think they'd trade him. But if they can't get that pick for him, there's no point to move him. Like I said, he's a, he's a, a really low salary this year, or this coming up season. His foot will be his free agent year. Uh, they'll probably add another third tailback, and they'll have a true running back by committee with Howard Cohen and a third guy who's going to be a little more closer to what Tariq Cohen can give you in the passing game. Okay, Zach Rooting asks via Twitter, when Kyle Long comes back, do they make the cut on the O-line or somewhere else? I talked about this a little bit last week uh, about, about Kyle Long coming back. Uh, he has practice now. This will be a second week practicing. So looking at the offensive line, Brian Witzman has filled in here. Um, and he has proven to be a decent backup. You know, he's a capable starter. Uh, the Bears signed him late in the season. Uh, he was with the Vikes, I think, early. They cut him. He was on the street, but he came in, and he understood. He understands the offense. He was with uh, uh, Coach Matt Nagy last year in KC. He's decent. You know, He's had a, a really bad game in New York. But overall, Brian Witzman has been a pretty decent player. Uh, Eric Cush kind of the same kind of player, though. He can play guard or center. That's the big thing that Cush has over Witzman. I think Witzman's a little better as a run blocker, or Eric Cush a little better as a pass blocker. And then the other uh, offensive lineman who they may you know think about is Rashad Coward. He hasn't played at all this year, but he's a guy the Bears have high hopes for in the future, so I don't see him going anywhere either. So the, I think if they are going to cut a guy when Long comes back, it's either going to be Whiteout Kevin White, who I think is a long shot to be cut. I think they still want to keep him on the roster in case of an injury happens. Uh, but the most likely cut is going to be third-string quarterback Tyler Bray. Kevin White's just simply the backup plan at the X receiver in case of an injury. He doesn't know all three spots, which is why Josh Bellamy is ahead of him on the depth chart. He doesn't play special teams, which is why Josh Bellamy is ahead of him on the depth chart. Uh, but if if the Bears have an injury to Allen Robinson, if they need a guy that can come in and, and play the X, I think Kevin White's that guy. But again, he's just going to be a guy that comes in if there's an injury. And, and right now the Bears are pretty healthy. So you know, if, if Bray is the guy that's cut... He'll still be the emergency quarterback. Uh, he'll be the guy they sign if an injury happens for the playoffs because I doubt any team's going to sign a, a Tyler Bray off the street for the uh, you know the, the last week of the season. I just don't see it happening. So Kyle Long is eligible to come back this week. Uh, he can come off IR if the practice goes good this week for him. We'll know about that on Saturday. Um, Saturday afternoon, I believe, they have to make that decision as far as the roster goes. But if by chance he's not ready for the Viking game, the Bears can still hold them off, and, and for the first round of the playoffs, whether it be the uh, wild card round or the next round, they can make that that determination then. Uh, it's a three-week practice window they have to work with Kyle Long to make sure he's ready to go. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be ready to play. I think he's back this week. We'll see what happens. 
Tanner Cole asks via Twitter, why do some fans believe that cap space is more important than good players? Um, I have no idea. You know, every year about this time, it seems Bears fans start thinking about guys uh, who have to be cut to save cap space. And every spring, fans worry about why the Bears gave that guy so much money in free agency. The salary cap has been around the NFL since 1994. And I cannot think of any time since then the Bears have struggled to pay someone they wanted to keep. Have the Bears ever been so close to the cap they were screwed out of getting someone? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I'm sure it must have happened. you know. And, and I'm assuming Tanner's question is in regards to the recent social media push. Uh, I've seen people talk about cutting Danny Trevathan. You know, uh, I've seen him talked about early in the year, too, because he's a guy that makes some good money. Uh, he's a position the Bears just drafted, a guy, Roquan Smith, plays kind of the inside linebacker spot. But with Trevathan, I don't get it. What he is, he's a quality inside linebacker. He's playing in a scheme for a defensive coordinator that values the position. He, he's going to be due $7.6 million in 2019 after making a 7.1 this year. So it's not a big discrepancy. The Bears do not need to trim payroll for next season. They'll likely cut Deanne Sims. It'll save $6 million, But everyone else can stay. Uh, I'm not even hung up on the fact that Kyle Long makes big money next year. Uh, he has an out in his contract after next season, so 2020. I think they roll with Kyle Long one more year and, and you know, and then see what happens the next year. They don't have to restructure. I think they're fine. There is no, there are not up against the cap. The cap's going up again. This team does not need to sign any big money free agents. The core is pretty much set. They'll probably want to re-up with uh, Bryce Callahan uh, and or Adrian Amos, but they should have plenty of cap space to do that, whether either bring back one or, or possibly both. It just seems like some fans take it really personal, watching their favorite team spend money, and I don't get it. Um, until a big signing ruins a chance to add something the Bears need, I don't see a reason to really care. This last question I got is, is a fun one. Uh, Patrick Overturf tweeted to me, uh, I need a power ranking of Bears that you don't want to meet in a dark alley. Uh, that's a funny question, but first off, I'm six foot six. I'm generally about 300 pounds. So it's going to be the really big guys that give me some pause in the dark alley. Uh, but with that being said, Khalil Mack is a ferocious man. Uh, so he's at the top of my list, even though he's just a little guy. Uh, number two, Akeem Hicks. You know, he makes me look small. So, and, and he also routinely throws two guys around at a time because he's always double teamed. And uh, he can handle himself. He's number two. Number three, talked about a little while ago, Kyle Long. He plays with a violent demeanor. Plays with no fear. Um, he just seems like one of those guys that will step up and do whatever it takes to uh, to, to survive. And, you know, those kind of guys are scary. Number four, plays next to Kyle Long. That's Bobby Massey. He plays with a mean streak. Uh, he kind of has that uh, that badass attitude, too, when you hear him talk, when he does talk to media, which is not often. But the few times he has had interviews, you know, he comes across as just a, a no-nonsense, you know, leave me the F alone kind of guy. And then for number number five on my list, I'm going to go back to a little guy here, and I'm going to pick Josh Bellamy. Uh, this guy's just a scrappy fighter. Uh, he's busted his ass to say in the NFL. Plus, I think you got to be a little crazy to play special teams as aggressively as he does. So that's my top five power ranking there. And that's it, guys. My time is up. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to my show at the Windy City Gridiron Podcast channel. Like I said, we're on iTunes now, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Art19, wherever you find your podcast. We're there. Subscribe and also give us a rating because those things matter these days. And also, 
Make sure you follow our entire Windy City Gridiron 2 on Twitter, uh, WC Gridiron, and also give me a follow as well at WiltFongJR. So until next time, bear down, my friends. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.